Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Isaiah. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her. All you who love her, rejoice with her in joy. All you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious bosom. For thus says the Lord, I will extend prosperity to her like a river and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees as a mother comforts her child. So I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see and your heart shall rejoice. Your bodies shall flourish like the grass and it shall be known that the hand of the Lord is with his servants and his indignation is against his enemies. The word of the Lord. A Gospel reading from the 10th chapter of Luke. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, say first, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer desires to be, deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated.
Grace and peace to you, my friends in Christ. On our very first night of the epic Clowder family adventure, we were already delayed a few hours because of a tornado that hit central Wisconsin. And so as we were driving, it started to rain again, and the visibility was so poor that we realized our goal of getting deep into central Illinois wasn't going to happen. So I called ahead, and I found a hotel near the Wisconsin border, and I made a reservation. When we pulled into the hotel, Taryn took one look at it and said, I'm not staying here. It was an old building. It was the kind of building where you could already imagine what it smells like just by looking at it. So she looked at her phone and she said, didn't you read the reviews and look at the pictures? Clearly, if I would have done that, I wouldn't have missed this one. The bathroom was tiny and musty smelling. Half of our towels in the bathroom weren't even dry. The toilet had problems flushing and the shower was lukewarm at best. We weren't even allowed to finish eating our breakfast once the food was done being served, and we were told we had to get out. All around, a horrible stay. Bed was comfy. It's the only nice thing I have to say. We'll not be staying here again. Yikes. They should have hired this guy to be able to help clean up around the place. Uh, this is Edison helping clean out the van after the trip, trying to get as many sunglasses on his head as possible. Fortunately, Taryn found another option that night. After about five seconds of searching on the internet, she found a place with better pictures and a higher review. I called, they had a room, we had success. The rooms were clean, the towels were dry, the breakfast the next morning was the star of the trip. I truly think that the continental breakfasts that we had at some of the hotels were the highlight for the boys. What was the lesson learned? Well, when it comes to travel accommodations, sometimes it's okay to judge the book by its cover. When we were in Orlando and Washington, we stayed in homes for a few different days. And in order to find the best Airbnbs, Taryn found places that had super hosts, homes where the rankings were highest based off of the previous customer reviews. There was very little margin for error. A, a review had to have a perfect super, uh, score for a super host to keep that status. And so those scores were pretty important. We realized how important hospitality was in traveling. When you aren't staying in your own home, you really want to be clean and comfortable at the end of the day. I think Jesus wanted that for his disciples too. You see, when he sends his disciples out into the world for the sake of the mission, He's preparing for what they're about to encounter. And so he gives them this advice. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a person of peace is there, then your peace will rest upon that person. But if not, it will return to you. And so remain in that same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. For the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. I mean, it sounds pretty good, right? Go ahead, and when you give peace, you'll receive peace. But he's also pretty explicit, Jesus is. He, he said, look, this is genuine hospitality that I'm expecting. Don't go hopping around from house to house or hotel to hotel. In fact, don't even have a backup plan. Don't carry a purse, no bag, no sandals. Greet nobody on the road. You've got a mission. He didn't have the luxury of Google reviews. There weren't pictures to see what was ahead of them. There wasn't this hope of a pool to cool down after a long day of walking. 
The disciples were completely dependent on the grace and welcome of the person that they offered peace to when they went and visited someone's home. What exactly are they doing, and what kind of mission is this then? Well, here we are in the story, and this is Luke 10. And so Luke, you know, Luke's a long book. We've been through Easter, and you know, the the Pentecost story was was earlier in June, and you know, we've we've kind of been through a lot of these stories. So it's interesting to kind of go back now to Luke 10, and and you know, Jesus has been teaching and performing miracles and all that great stuff, but this isn't one of those post-resurrection go out into the world moments. This is really a short-term moment, a set the stage, go teach, heal. But then come back, report, tell me what you've seen, tell me what you've heard. Our reading today even starts with kind of an awkward line. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. After this, right? Okay, well, after what? Well, you flip back a page, and if you were here last Sunday, you heard this story. It's in chapter 9. You know, there's a bunch of people who want to follow Jesus, but they have all sorts of excuses that they aren't ready. You know, legitimate excuses like someone wanting to bury his own father, Or people who say, hey, I want to be able to say goodbye. They got stuff to do. And Jesus is like, no, right now. We're doing this right now. After this actually meant making sure everybody was on the same page. And so Jesus is ready to send the 72 out into the world. And he sends them off ahead in pairs to every town and place. So he sends these 70 or 72 Uh, into different places. And and so it's like, why does it say 72 here? But sometimes we think of 70. There were 70 different places, different nations listed in the Hebrew text of Genesis 10. And there were 72 nations listed in the Greek version of Genesis 10. And so this is a a historical moment. It's It's a symbolic number. It's talking about Jesus sending people out into all of the countries of the known world at that time. They're being sent to these these places, and they've probably, Jesus is sending them to almost as many places as we took my kids on this past vacation. Almost certainly there were fewer tourist t-shirt shops as well on their trip. But one final detail about this sending out that Jesus had is that he said, wherever he himself intended to go. Jesus is sending them to all of the places where Jesus is like, I'm not going to avoid these places. These are all the places I'm going to go to. He wants the disciples to start laying the groundwork for who he is so these communities know who Jesus is when Jesus is going to come, when he's going to go to these towns. And so they go, and then they come back, and it's a success. Jesus' circle, it's starting to grow. 140 or 142 people have gone out, and now there are places where when Jesus goes, he will be able to, to say, look, you already know a little bit about me from, from my disciples who've gone ahead of me. 72 of them returned, and they returned with something really unique here. They returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. Look at that. How did they return from this trip? Maybe tired, maybe a little exhausted. Maybe they had a few stories along the way of like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Too bad we can't put a Google review on that. But they come back with joy. Their hearts are full. They didn't have any Lonely Planet guidebooks. They didn't have an app that pointed them to the best homes to enter. They just go out into the world and they meet people. 
and they return with joy that even the demons would submit to them. And Jesus decides to put the brakes on just a little bit. He's like, look, look, nevertheless, don't rejoice at this, that that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's a reminder that it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about God. Jesus reminds them, you didn't do this. God did. But not even Jesus can dampen their spirits. Something happened. Something powerful in that moment. Something transformational in the hearts of those who've been sent out has happened. And I think it had something to do with sharing the good news and then being affirmed. You know, literally telling somebody about Jesus and having that person hear it and ask questions and want to know more. I think it had something to do with the endorphins of hope that Jesus gave them. Gave to these people who were beaten down, who weren't feeling the greatest. And all of a sudden, this made them feel this rush. Like, this is great news to share. I think it had something to do with a joy-filled outlook for the future. You know, in, in Dave's prayer minute today, he had a little fun with the fact that sometimes we think we know something just because we've been talking about it or doing it for a long time. And so if you're asked to define the word prayer, you're like, well, of course I know what the word prayer is. What if we did the same thing with our mission as Christians? How quickly can we articulate that? Because it goes beyond coming to church. Think about what is our purpose? What is our calling? What are we being called to do to live out our faith that God is calling us? Are we doing it with joy? One test to determine whether or not we are really doing what Christ has called us to do is to discern if we truly and deeply enjoy doing it. Thomas Bandy asks, does this activity give life to you or rob life from you? Does this activity energize you or does it spiritually exhaust you? Does this lead you to laugh or lead you to sigh? Does this activity fill you with joy or leave you with unresolved anger? In our mission as Christians, think about what we are being called to do and the activities that we do that live out our faith. And then think about how we answer those questions. And then think about one other way to to consider this. Are we answering these questions with our own heart and head? Or are we doing it by spending time in prayer? And some quiet and not doing all the talking, but doing some of the listening. And having that time of conversation with God. Because remember one other very important thing. Because when Jesus sends out his disciples into the world, he's sending them into places where he also intends to go. Which means we're not alone. God's calling each of us to use our own God-given spiritual gifts, but to use them with joy. Be a happy Christian. Be a Christian who says, look, this is the good news I have to share. And know that being a Christian can be hard work. Being a representative of Christ Christ means that people might misunderstand us or judge us or criticize us. But it also means that the most important message that we have is love. And it needs to be the heart of how we encounter our neighbor. Seriously, make that clear each and every time. And there won't be any confusion as to what our intentions are. 
All right, the reviews are in. Jesus is truly the super host. I think Jesus, as a super host, has this perfect rating that we are welcomed into God's kingdom no matter what. But we are also invited to invite others in. There's no house capacity limit. Jesus is like, no, invite the whole community. I want everybody in on this party. And we also know that in God's world, we will always, always experience radical hospitality and an even better continental breakfast than the ones that we found in the middle of Wisconsin. So peace be with you. But peace also be unto your house. And may joy be the thing that fills your heart today and in all that you do this week.